Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsoring partner, the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. CBME has worked over the past decade to support black men and boys to provide them the right word or the right person at the right time on their journey towards realizing their full potential. I value CBME's efforts, their focus, and the investments that they have made to define this new field for black male achievement and to rewrite the narrative that we want for our country. If you've not yet done so, I urge you to visit tbpod.com slash partners today and learn more about CBME and consider joining their membership and investing in the future of our black men and boys. You're listening to the trailblazers.fm podcast, where we'll explore the stories of today's successful black professionals, entrepreneurs, and leaders. Join us to access the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished professionals and come away with the know-how, confidence, and motivation you'll need to blaze your trail. And now here's your host, Stephen A. Hart. What's up, Blazer Nation? Today in the U.S., we are celebrating Martin Luther King Day and the life of the ultimate trailblazer, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And fun fact, he would have actually celebrated his 90th birthday this past week on the 15th of January. And, you know, though he's been gone for more than 50 years now, his legacy continues to live on. And that's just so inspiring to me. So, you know, we've come a long way since he left us but we still got a long, long way to go. We have a lot of work to do to carry our torch, the distance, right? So we've now can't believe we're already into the third week of the year and we're continuing on with the Wealth Series. The first couple of weeks, we had two amazing guests, Mr. Chris Hogan, Anthony O'Neill. Amazing episodes. Encourage you guys, if you missed them, to go back and listen to episodes 153 and 154. And I just want to take a quick second because I know that there are some of you in our community who have yet to begin working in this new year in 2019 due to the government shutdown here in the US. And just want to acknowledge you and let you know my heart goes out to you. I'm keeping you lifted in prayer that things resolve themselves pretty quickly. I'm going to encourage you in this season while you are away from work, I challenge you to begin maybe exploring ways to create a second stream of income that could be passive, right? That works on its own to provide even a small sum, right? It could be $200, $500, $1,000 a month. Maybe it's not replacing a salary, but in a season like this, in a season where there's unexpected changes that happen that derail your ability to work and earn a paycheck, at least you have something coming in to help you pay some bills and slow the burn off of your savings. So Again, continuing to keep you lifted, just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Our feature trailblazer for today is the amazing Miss Lauren Williams. Lauren, as many of you know, is a four-time Olympian. She's a three-time Olympic medalist and the first American woman to medal in both the Summer and Winter Olympic Games. Amazing, right? Today, Lauren is the founder and owner of a company called Worth Winning. And she offers virtual services to help young professionals get answers to the financial questions that matter most to them. Whether that's creating a budget, figuring out a plan for paying off student loans, setting goals for savings, or understanding your 401k, Lauren is able to help you with all things on the personal finance end. 
So today, Lauren and I actually had a great conversation. And among the many things we talked about, we discussed the challenges that stand in the way of you building wealth when you've got student loan debt. So many of us carry student loans, and I thought it was important for us to have this discussion and talk about what we can do to manage that effectively and to begin building wealth, right? So we started the year off great. Just going to encourage you to continue to share these podcast episodes, share this wealth series with your community, with your friends and family and colleagues. Keep telling them about trailblazers.fm. Encourage them to listen and subscribe and share it up as well. So That said, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and dive in and receive today's mission fuel from our featured trailblazer, Ms. Lauren Williams. Lauren, welcome and thank you so much for being our featured trailblazer on today's episode. I am pumped to share all kinds of wisdom and knowledge and life lessons with you guys. Yes, we've been having a good conversation. Lauren, I remember meeting you this summer at Podcast Movement and I'm looking at you. I always get nervous whenever I'm about to present and you came in the room early and I remember introducing myself to you in the corner. And I do that because I find that the people I introduce myself to and have a very short conversation with, I make them the focal points in the talk. And I feel like I have a relationship of some sort, but you look familiar to me. And I'm like, you know, these are people that just have this familiarity. And then I come to realize you're this amazing Olympian. (laughs) And so we'll talk about that in a second, but I love to start off every trailblazer conversation from a place of gratitude and wanting to ask you right off the top, you know, what are you taking for granted that if you stopped and you thought about it, you're actually grateful for? So something that I'm taking for granted that I have not quite thought about that I need to show more gratitude for is the opportunities that have come my way. So Mm. lately I've been thinking a lot about I'm doing too much. I'm wearing too many hats. I am, you know, here, there and everywhere. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're always trying to build the business. So you're scattered trying to build it. But there's others that are, you know, have nothing coming their way. And they're just like, where are the people? Where are the opportunities? Where is the this and that? And so I've realized I need to reel back a little bit on what I'm doing. But what I've been taking for granted is all the opportunities that are available to me. So I'm very grateful for all that's been coming my way as it pertains to opportunities from speaking engagements to different boards and committees to be a part of. I just got a feature in a magazine and I'm like, wow. And it was from a simple tweet that I sent, you know, saying what a great article a young lady wrote. And so the opportunities that are coming my way, I think I take that for granted, but I am very grateful for each and every one of them. Such Um, a blessing. Yeah. That's amazing. So before we talk about student loans, I want to come back to the Olympian thing (laughs) for just a second. For those unfamiliar with Lauren's journey, Lauren's a four-time Olympian, three-time medalist in the Olympics. You had a silver medal, I believe, from the 04, 100-meter dash, right? And then... A goal in the 4-1 relays in London, both narrowly meeting my Jamaican women, (laughs) right? That is also accurate, but we won. Let's just focus on the win. (laughs) (laughs) And then the amazing thing is you had this pivot, which from what I read came from an injury that you had and you went on to pursue bobsleigh in the Winter Olympics and medal there as well, which is amazing, right? Yes, you're the first American woman of any race 
to medal in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. And I always like to just point out that the man that did it was in 1932. So it's been a while. I'm not going to say it doesn't count. I'm not throwing no shade of 1932, but it was a long time since an American, when the first American did it, to when I accomplished the feat. That is amazing on so many levels. And I was thinking about this, Lauren, but what was it like? Because you competed in a couple different eras of track, right? And against some amazing other women, some trailblazing women, Gail Divas, Allison Felix of the US, Jamaicans, as I mentioned, Veronica Campbell-Brown and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. You had some women. And then outside of even the US or Jamaica, you have like Debbie Ferguson of the Bahamas. There's so many powerful women that you're running against in your era. What was it like competing against them? I think it was really a testament to what sports can teach you. So a lot of times people say sports teach you life skills and it does, Mm -hmm. but the experiences you get from, you know, being able to travel all over the world, being able to compete against people from different countries, but then also competing against those different generations teaches you so many different life lessons. So when I came on the scene, Marion Jones was, like you said, kind of the hot topic and was like headed out and, you know, she wasn't doing as well. So yeah. We exploded on and kind of, you know, took over their spotlight, if you will. But, you know, from a platform standpoint, she definitely held the spotlight. So Mm -hmm. just watching her carry herself with poise, you know, in the midst of everything that was going on and her not performing well. Like those are the little things that you take those cues as a youngin and that makes you a better athlete going forward. And then for me to be the person to be able to take that and, you know, show my poise, show my expertise, show the things that I've learned from her, you know, not just on the track, but off the track and show that to the next generation so that we can all like continue to grow the sport as women. Yeah, that's amazing. Was it difficult having to pivot away from the high that you get competing, especially on the highest level, whether it's a world champs or Olympics? I mean, there's a high that comes from competing in a stage with, you know, 80,000 people watching you, right? Uh, Very much so. And it, it has been a little bit tough trying to figure out, like, how do you recreate that feeling? Yeah. And I finally come to the, compu- the conclusion that you don't. You look for other things that are going to satisfy, you know, the urge and create purpose really in your life. But that actual adrenaline rush that you get from, like you said, being in front of 80,000, everything being on the line, you're representing yourself, your family, your city, your state, your country. You know, there's so many things. It's so much bigger than you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And to know that and have to like deal with that and like to overcome that so that you can reach your full potential in that moment is a feat that just, yeah, you can't find that anywhere else in life. So it's interesting to me, right? Like you pivot due to an injury and you come up being a trailblazer on the bobsled piece. What was bobsledding like? And this is not something you did for a very long period of time, right? I was a bobsledder for about six months. (laughs) This is crazy. Yeah, I wish I would have found it a little bit sooner. So, you know, like you can always could have, would have, should have. But ideally after 2008, I would have left track and field and found bobsled and done the 2010 and the 2014 game. So I still would have done four Olympics. You know, this is my perfect world, but I was just at the end of my career from a mental aspect of, you know, what else can I mentally put into sport Mm -hmm. before moving on and, you know, to life after sport. So yeah, it was only six months, but it was probably the best six months of my life. What is bobsled? It is being thrown (laughs) off of a cliff in a washing machine. That's bobsled. How was that? Like you're going down a hill at 90 miles an hour in this tight confinement. You're hoping not to crash. Yes, you have no seatbelt. You have no roof. Uh, Yeah. 
So think about like drag racing times 10 or, you know, running down the road, your friend in some sports car times 20, because like I said, no roof and no seatbelts. And then you're putting your head down. So you can't see anything. You're trusting someone else to hope that they're a good driver. Wow. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing all this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, today you're, you touched on it a second ago. You're a dynamic speaker, podcaster. And in 2016, you launched a financial planning business worth winning. What's driving you in the work you're doing today? It's really my passion for people having discussions. I think one of the things that we most miss and the opportunity that is not allowing us to reach our full potential is this idea of not being comfortable having discussions about money. And it showed up multiple times in my life. In addition to having two financial advisors that didn't do a really good job for me when I was in my 20s and trying to organize my finances, I reached out for help. I realized that everybody I asked some questions about how do you best organize your finances had a kind of, ooh, you know, don't, I don't want to talk about it. Or didn't anybody tell you it's rude to talk about money? Or, you know, my people handle that for me. There were so many sorts of deflection about just a simple, you know, well, what is a SEP IRA? You know, that's what I got, but I don't really get it. Do you have one too? You know, and that would just like trigger something that would just end the conversation. And I'm like, wow, like there's something to this. And I really wanted to be like a change agent for like getting people to feel comfortable discussing money. And part of that is like organizing your finances. So if you're not comfortable discussing it with your friends to at least hire someone to help you get things organized. And then maybe in that process of getting things organized, now that you feel better about your finances, you'll feel more comfortable discussing with your friends. Yeah, I love that. Love that. So yeah, as you and I were discussing the idea of having you come on this wealth series that we're doing right now, and we're discussing these different topics. You asked me my thoughts on us having this discussion around student loans. And I immediately jumped up from a desk and I called you (laughs) right away. And I probably was scatterbrained because I was like, Lauren, this is amazing. Let's do it. And I think what connected for me, Lauren, is that I see student loan debt as being this large barrier for many of us whenever it comes to this idea of building future, building wealth right? For mm-hmm. the future. And as I was preparing for this conversation, I actually came across a study, which I'll share with you, which actually highlighted that Black and Hispanic adults who reported having outstanding student loans when they graduated college had $36,000 less in net worth than their peers wow. at the age of 30. And it makes sense, right? Because student loans, you think of how student loan debt ties to your net worth, right? Like, when you're looking at what your right. worth is, you have to <laughs> right. be... When you got debt, you got to subtract that out. You got to and... take it out. Right. And so I wanted us to have this discussion because I also think it limits our financial choices, right? When we, depending on how much debt someone's carrying, it also impacts their ability, whether it's purchasing a home or any other life decision, really. You're weighing in, well, can I still afford to X with this debt? So wanted to pick your brain a bit and have us share with Belize Nation, you know, how they can still build wealth while carrying, you know, a student loan burden on their hands. And so let's talk about the challenges first off that stand in the way of building wealth when you got student loan debt. I would say one of the biggest challenges is mindset. You see the student loans, they seem like an insurmountable thing that you'll never be able to overcome. I don't think I can pay it off. And, you know, you just kind of like set it and forget it. Let me find the cheapest thing and not look at it anymore. Let me just, you know, pay whatever they tell me to pay on a monthly basis and just, man, whatever. 
and you just feel strapped by like, I'm going to be stuck paying this amount forever. And then sometimes you get on like an income driven program, for example, and then you decide like you don't realize that because you're on income driven, you're not paying enough to actually pay off the loan. You're paying it based on your income. So you get an extra couple hundred bucks and you're like, oh, let me throw it toward the loan. And you're thinking you're doing something good. But even with that extra couple hundred bucks, you're not meeting enough to actually chip away at the loan. And so you're throwing all you can at it and you're watching the loan grow and you're just or like- not, Or not right. throwing anything at it because I am, I'll raise my hand right now. Mm. You know, I carried student loans and them struggle years right out of college. There was periods where I put that thing in forbearance. Yep. You know, and pushed it down. And even when I was able to start paying, I was still kind of happy leaving it in forbearance for a bit, <laughs> trying to handle life, you know, when I should have been making payments and yeah. addressing that, right? To your point, you know, you need to start making those payments so you're not accruing all this interest and just allowing this thing to increase or not go anywhere at all. And it's a maze. It's a little bit overwhelming because it's mind boggling the way that they've set up the federal student loan system. So, you know, a better option than forbearance is going to be one of those income driven plans we were just talking about. Because if your income is low enough that you really can't afford to pay in that time, your payment could be zero, but you're still on a plan. And if you pick the right plan, it could even be providing some sort of subsidy around that interest. Mm. So this is where you find out, you know, they say it's chess, not checkers. Like there's a lot of strategy that goes into like forbearance is not the option. Like if you really can't afford to pay and you got federal loans, you need to be picking one of these payment plans, income driven. So, wow. Nugget of wisdom right there, Blazonisha. The first one of many. I got all kinds of stuff to tell you. So I'm doing some consulting um, (laughs) around student loans. And it's just, it's been baffling to see. Like I said, there's six different ways to pay. You've got the extended, you've got graduated, income-based, income-driven. You know, it's just like, what? How do I pick which one of these things is going to be best for me? And it's really about sitting down at the very beginning. The way we're going to change the game and be able to create wealth is to say, what is going to be best for me? Because what my friend is doing is not necessarily what my situation is and what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So how much debt do I have? Is it going to be realistic to be able to pay it off? Or is there a strategy where I can pay as little as possible, start preparing for that taxes that's going to happen at the end of it all when your repayment plan is finished and, you know, start creating wealth in the meantime. So what do I mean by that? You could be, let's say you owe, you make $50,000 a year and you owe $200,000 a year. What's going to be a better option for you is to go ahead and get on one of those income driven plans. It's going to be associated with the amount of income that you have, you know, what size family you have, and you're going to have a pretty easy payment based on that actual income. But that payment is not going to allow you to pay $200,000 in loans off. So what you're going to do is pay your monthly payment and then know how much you're going to have to pay in taxes in 25 years or 20 years, depending on which payment you pick on that plan and start saving for the taxes. So let's say your payment is 250 bucks a month. You might be saving another $100. And now for $350 versus you know, $900 that you would have been paying, $350 is way more affordable. You put $250 to the student loans. You put the other $100 in a brokerage account. And you start saving that for taxes at the end of it all. So the end of the loan is done and you owe $300,000. And you're like, wait, Lauren, what are you talking about right now? I only borrowed $200. I paid this thing for 20 years. I now owe 300. What the government's going to do is forgive that and say, you got to pay taxes as if you made 300 in that year. (sighs) But the whole time you've been saving your $100 a month or whatever the calculation is. That's just an example. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So don't everybody just go save 100. Like there is a real calculation. (laughs) I'll tell you your number you need to be saving. 
And now you've got the money to pay that taxes and you're not in a situation that's going to be mind boggling or, you know, to set you back after all this time that you've been setting money aside for retirement and doing all these other things. It's not going to be that thing that like holds you back once again. Mm, I love that. I know you're likely enjoying today's episode so far, but we're beginning 2019 with so many of us knowing that you want to blaze your trail this year. You know that you want to take that next step and rise above, but truth be told, you know, your personal brand and your digital footprint, it ain't really tight yet, right? And if we're going to be honest, probably needs a hug. It needs someone to love on it, right? (laughs) But all jokes aside, maybe you're too busy. Maybe you have no idea where to begin. Whatever the reason is that's standing in the way, I want to encourage you and I want to let you know that I'm excited. I'm about to step in and help so many of you. Really soon, I'll be launching the next cycle of my signature personal branding course. It's called Brand You Academy. And it's a six-week online course where I will guide you through the step-by-step process to define and get crystal clear on your personal mission and vision, who it is that your target audience, who you're speaking to. We're going to help you create your brand elements, your font pairings, and your color palette. We're going to help you develop an amazing website and an impressive digital footprint. So much more. I don't need to debate this any longer. It's 2019. Someone's Googling you right now. The results they find, if any, the story being told about you on Google on digital, it's going to leave that person searching either more or less inclined to connect with you, do business with you, or hire you. Now, if you know you need to fix this, you have no idea where to get started, I'm going to encourage you to sign up right now to learn about the next opening for our Brand You Academy course. Visit tbpod.com slash brand you and sign up today. Again, the link is tbpod.com slash brand Y-O-U. Now, let's get back to today's episode. about some ways that we can overcome our student loan debt and begin building financial security and wealth? So another thing that you can do, so I always say there's two ways to pay student loans, either as slow as humanly possible or as quick as humanly possible. So really it's not even as slow as humanly possible. I should start saying as little as humanly possible. So you want to pay as little as possible. That's the scenario I just described to you where you're going to go for this forgiveness after a long period of time. The other scenario is I definitely have enough to be able to afford to be able to pay these loans off. I am going to throw everything I can at these loans to get rid of them as quickly as possible, to pay as little interest as possible, and to start moving on with my life. So to create wealth, one way is if you had these federal loans, you start putting money into your retirement plan. And you're like, Lauren, why would we're talking about student loans here? How does that help me? Well, by putting money into your retirement plan, you are one, saving money for yourself. Two, you are lowering your tax liability if you're doing pre-tax. So one thing that's all the way for young professionals is the Roth. But if you're doing pre-tax, you're lowering your taxes in that year, you know, in that moment, you're lowering your AGI. And by lowering your AGI, you are also lowering what's going to be that student loan payment. So it's like, oh, okay. And then once again, we're going for that forgiveness in a long period of time. So now you freed up money on a monthly basis because your student loan payment is less. You lowered your tax liability and you save for retirement. So you're like, there we are. We're creating wealth. And a lot of times we always think of like, well, I want to invest in some stocks that I saw. I want to do this with my friend. And we get distracted by what everyone else is doing and trying to create wealth in the moment. Instead but if of you're what not maxing your ret- Yeah. Instead of what works for you. Exactly. 
And it's really about like, you know, like you said, most of us are not able to save, you know, 10% of our income. If you're saving two or 3% of your income, you know, you got to work on first getting that number up. And where do I get that number up? You know, don't not have your emergency fund, have your emergency fund in place. Mm -hmm. And then above and beyond that emergency fund, start throwing that money into whatever retirement plan you have available. So if you're an entrepreneur, it's a SEP IRA or a solo 401k, something like that. But if you're a W-2 employee, there's usually a 401k or a 403b available to you. That is investing. A lot of us don't think of it as investing and we feel like we need to be doing something else and we're not really sure how to invest or where to invest. And it's like, you don't have to do that. Like get to that maximum, which is now 19,000 in 2019 mm-hmm. yep. first. Yeah. You know, that's your first way to be able to create wealth for yourself, lower your student loan payment, lower your tax liability. And like now you're doing something like you are doing that thing to create wealth for your future. Which is the exact decision I actually made. So I still owe probably like 20 grand left in student loans. Mm-hmm. And I consolidated several years ago and have a very low interest rate. And the decision I made many years ago was to just leave that alone, continue to make the payment and invest and invest aggressively towards my 401k. And then, you know, for the last maybe two or three years, been maxing out as much as I can get in there. And allowing, you know, the investment to grow, which has actually worked out for us every year, but maybe this year, this year, the market's not been <laughs> right, yeah. uh, very good. Yeah, but last year was great. And you bring up a really good point there where, you know, interest rate. So it's like, well, what is a good interest rate? What the market is returning right now is around like 5.25. I've seen as low as like 4.3 if you have really great credit, really great income, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But that is exactly, that could be the strategy if you have low interest rates. So if you got student loans that say two or 3%, you know, maybe even those 4% loans, now you're looking at an opportunity where you're saying like, okay, I got a really low payment. I don't need to be maybe necessarily throwing everything at these loans. It might be better to invest. But it, like I said, it's not one size fits all. If you got student loans that are 6.7, 7.1, private loans that are 12% interest, Ooh. You know, I've seen some really terrible interest rates. You don't want to be trying to invest and beat the market. You want to be trying to refinance, get a lower interest rate. Or like I said, think about what strategy is best for you because maybe repaying the loans is not going to be the best option. It's going to be going for this forgiveness option instead. That's interesting. I never thought about that way of looking at things. Again, I benefited from the refinance and I sometimes worry that people don't look at that. You know, they're looking at because at one point I had all these different loans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm grateful I was able to consolidate when the market was, you know, at a good place and be able to get that all into one loan at a good rate. So, yeah. And I mean, you also bring up another good point there, like consolidating versus refinancing. So those two terms are always used interchangeably, but they're mm-hmm. not the same thing. So consolidation refers to federal student loans. Mm-hmm. And that's you taking all these, you know, I got Stafford plus this and direct plus this and blah, 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 and fail FFEL that. So if you're looking at your student loan thing, you might see seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11 loans. Consolidating is taking those and squishing them down into One. two loans. Right. You'll have subsidized and you'll have unsubsidized. Ah. And so you now made it a lot simpler and they're going to take the weighted average of whatever those interest rates are. And but now you got like, you know, like you said, just two loans that you're looking at. And it makes it just a lot easier, especially if you had multiple different servicers and you were trying to mail a check here and there and pay online this. So that's consolidation. Whereas refinancing is taking your loans out of the federal system and moving them to a private lender. And with doing that, you lose the protection of what comes with the federal, the system. So that's that income driven that we were just talking about. That's that forbearance that we were talking about. That is the ability to kind of, you know, jump in and out of these different programs. That's the ability to get public service loan forgiveness, which is something else we should probably talk about after this. Yeah. But there's lots of different 
programs and options and repayment options when you're in the federal system. When you're in the private system, you got one option, pay it back. (laughs) You lose your job and generally that company does not care. You might get maybe two or three months of forbearance, but in the federal system, you got three years of forbearance that you might be able to use. So Uh those are the things that are different. So when you go to the private refinancing, it's not a bad thing. It's just that you want to be prepared to pay it back. You want to have a plan and you want to be very serious about like, this is me going to get to, you know, to the $0 balance. And this mm-hmm. is my plan to do so. Mm, wow. Let's talk about that forgiveness piece. There are certain occupations, right? Mm-hmm. That might allow you, might give you some help in clearing that student loan debt. Exactly. So there are certain organizations that are public service loan forgiveness qualified. And generally there, if you work for the government, if you work for a 501c3, educational institutions, and there's a few other, the Peace Corps. And so if you work for one of those agencies, what you have the opportunity to do is, like you said, once again, it's federal loans only, but you also need to be on an income driven plan. And you also need to have direct loans. So those are the things that like people don't realize. Like they're like, oh, I work at, you know, nonprofit XYZ and I'm going to get public service loan forgiveness. Well, you need to make sure you're going to get forgiveness by taking a paper to your employer and saying, fill this out. I want to, you know, have my loans apply for forgiveness. Then they're going to take your loans. They're going to move them to the servicer called Fed Loans. So that's a good indicator. If you think you're on public service loan forgiveness right now and your loans aren't at Fed Loans, there's a high likelihood you're not. And then also, if you have two different repayment programs, so one, some of your loans might be on repay and the rest of your loans are on IBR. That's another indicator that some of your loans might not qualify for public service loan forgiveness because what you need is direct loans. So that's what we were talking about earlier, FFEL versus Stafford versus, you know, there's all these different names. So you want to yeah. look at your statement and see, do all of them say direct? If they don't, you're once again not qualified for public service loan forgiveness and you want to get that rectified ASAP. There's a lot of articles and stuff going around about how public service loan forgiveness is not a real thing and people aren't actually getting it. And the reason is because they didn't know the rules when it came out. Mm. So now, you know, we're five or 10 years down the road, people are a lot more educated and they're able to do this better. But at the beginning, you know, they didn't realize they need to consolidate their loans and turn them into direct. So now they, you know, they were in in 2007. They thought they were getting forgiveness in 2017 because it's a 10 year program. That's the other thing. Ah. So you need to make 120 payments ah. for these loans. Before and you don't have forgives. to do that consecutively. Ah. So you make those payments, 120 payments, and then they'll forgive the rest? And then they forgive the rest. And so once again, when we're talking about chestnut checkers, you want to pay as little as humanly possible if you're eligible for public service. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you want to give Uncle Sam $5 and put that $500 in your bank account. (laughs) And like you said, once again, the 401k, anything that's pre-tax, 403b, put your money in that. Mm. That's going to lower your AGI, which is going to lower the amount that you make. And that's Mm. going to lower your student loan payment. So you really, really want to prioritize saving for retirement if you're eligible for public service loan forgiveness. Wow. Love this. I just, I picture lots of people right now having that bug eye emoji. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. For sure. Like say what? (laughs) I know. I love diving into the weeds. I'm trying to keep it high level, but there's a lot of strategy. And I think that's the biggest thing like you said for African-American community to start having that mindset shift and deciding Mm -hmm. I want to create wealth It's about thinking, what can I do differently? It's not about just sending your bill in every month on time. We got to go next level with it. We got to say, what is going to be the best strategy for me to be able to make the most money off of this situation? 
Start yeah. thinking of your student loans as a business decision as opposed to, you know, a bad decision that you made that you wish you wouldn't have done. And woe is me. Why did my parents tell me? And Government the system is you. You know, yeah. treating yeah. so system poorly. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, let's put all that behind us. We got the loans now. What do we yeah. do with the loans? And what's going to be the best strategy for you is mm-hmm. how we got to start looking at them because you can create wealth even though you have this debt that's hanging over you. Love it. Love it. Lauren, I could keep talking to you about this. Let me ask you, for those that are interested in talking more about this, how can someone get some more information and maybe get in contact with you? Are you state restricted by where you talk to people? I am not state restricted by how I talk to people. So yeah, you can contact me via my website. It's worth-winning.com. And it's really, like you said, about thinking, do you want to organize your whole financial life? Because this is one piece of everything. And the other thing we always neglect is like, how do I get my finances organized? Like, how do I create a mindset around my whole financial picture as opposed to this one thing is holding me back? So if you're looking to get your whole financial life organized, then yeah, reach out. Definitely. Let's do it. I do also do one-on-one consulting for just your student loans. If you feel like you got everything else handled, a lot of other financial planners don't deal with student loans as an expertise. I've not Uh, heard that. That's a really neat niche. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I've been reading everything you see. I'm just word vomiting all these different strategies at you all. So if you just want a one hour student loan thing, then you go to studentloanplanner.com. And if you want to learn on your own, if you feel like you're a do-it-yourselfer, there's tons of free information there for you to be able to figure it out on your own and say, okay, like, let me read these five blogs and now I understand public service loan forgiveness. So it's not something you necessarily have to hire someone for, but I think being able to hire an expert to know that you're doing it right is a worthwhile investment because just last week, actually just yesterday, I saved someone $33,000 over the course of her loans. And so, you know, like, that's a game changer for someone. That's real money. Yeah. 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 To just keep going, like you said, and paying and paying and paying and thinking you're doing okay because it's an affordable payment versus like, oh, if you do it like this, you're still an affordable payment. And over the long term, this is what you save. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I wow. think thinking about it as an investment and hiring someone to help you. But even yet and still, it's starting to have those discussions. I always go back to having those discussions. Start talking to your friends. Start admitting that you have student loans. So many people are ashamed. And they just won't talk about it at all. And they're just drowning in this debt. And then they're, you know, in default. And then they're taking on credit card debt because they got such a big student loan payment. Like, find out what the option is so that you can get a handle on it. There are options. You just got to know it. And I think you touched on something really important earlier, just a second ago, looking at the whole, right? For everyone listening, you have to, one, get real with the debt. 10 years ago, Lauren, I got married. And my business collapsed three weeks into marriage and I lost several million dollars. Mm -hmm. And I went from being a millionaire to like, yo, honey, you're going to be paying the rent for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And she did. And she held it down for us for a little bit. But in that situation, she actually said, hey, you know what? We need to get our financial house in order. And at that point in time, what worked for us was Ramsey's financial piece. And it was able to kind of help us put our mind on the same page mm-hmm. and get real about doing the emergency fund that you talked about and getting on the same page in terms of clearing our debts and beginning to save. And it's probably the best things that we've done. So, but whether you're married, whether you're single, you know, you have to get real. We're talking about building wealth. You have to get real about 
dealing with what your situation is. Everybody's situation is different. So to Lauren's point, you know, what you're doing with your student loans and your wealth building process is different than what your friends are going to be doing in your own situation. So I'd highly encourage reaching out to Lauren and having that conversation and seeing what is needed to start working. You have to start somewhere. For me, it started with me being six-figure debt, three weeks into our marriage and having nothing, no income coming in and having to get real with, all right, you know, whatever I had to do, I had to do. And it was a million side hustles as the Jamaican I am to start (laughs) cutting away at that, you know? You can quit or you can move to action. And that's what it's really about is moving to action. Absolutely. And I'm proud to say, you know, today we don't carry debts. You know, we have a mortgage and we have strategic debts, but I don't carry a credit card burden on me month to month. We pay that off on a monthly basis and we save aggressively. And that sort of started this conversation. It took the right mindset first and foremost to kind of get in that frame of mind, like this has to happen and we're prioritizing. And it was years. It was years of saying, all right, you know what, as we get a promotion or a pay increase, you know, we didn't change our lifestyle. Uh, yes, I love it. To move that money to where it needed to go. And today we're cash poor because we got two young ones. We got two crumb snatchers taking all our money in daycare and all that mess. So, but you know, that helped, right? That helped to not shift lifestyle too much. So it's a lot of money going to them, but hopefully when I stop paying this daycare man, my money, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, I'll, I'll start enjoying life somewhere. Lately. Like, That's a mortgage girl. <laughs> daycare is real. They actually, like, they're like really excited when the kids go to school because daycare, like school is way cheaper than daycare apparently. Yeah. That's yeah. a thing. <laughs> it is. But Lauren, listen, I digress, but you know, I appreciate all the wisdom you shared here and I encourage everyone to reach out to Lauren with questions that you have. Before I let you go though, Blazer Nation loves to hear the resources of our feature Trailblazer. So are there any books that you'd recommend us adding to our reading queue? Yes. You're a badass. Yes. Yes. You are a badass at making money. That has been a game changer. So she has another book, You Are a Badass at, I think, just life. Am I not saying that? I think so. I, um, I have it's a one actually in my, read- in my Overdrive queue. So I know, I believe it's in Overdrive for those that queue up to Overdrive through the light. Are you familiar with Overdrive, Lauren? Yes. Yeah. So, and Libby is another great app now that's tagged to the light. For everyone listening, if you're into audiobooks, you can download an app called Overdrive or Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, and you can actually log in using your library card and access books that your library has. So those books are accessible through Overdrive. Yet another way to create wealth. Don't spend money. You don't have to. Yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah, You're a Badass at Making Money is one book. And then the other book is Your Money or Your Life. Both of those have been really, really, really good. And I'm glad that they were recommended to me this year because I'm always picking up, you know, financial book here or there. But these are very, very consumer friendly. But also those ones that like as you're reading, they convict you. You're like, ooh, yeah, you're right. That's easy enough. I definitely could do that. And like I said, made me feel like you can move to action immediately. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Last question for you. What's one action that our Blazer Nation should take this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail? One action that you all should take this week. I would say start by looking at the opportunities, not the obstacles. Mm. So, so frequently, like you said, when we're dealing with things like debt and finances and 
figuring out like, where do I start? Like, there's just, just so many obstacles in this way. And then we give up and we're like, maybe next week or maybe next month. And, you know, it doesn't get around. You finish one year and you're like, okay, next year is going to be my year. And it's not. So the, right. the action item time. is yeah. write down right now, what mm-hmm. are the opportunities? Mm-hmm. Where can I create wealth? Where can I get help with these student loans? You know, what can I do to make a difference in my financial situation? Because this is not where I want to be. We don't care about the obstacles anymore. We're hurdlers. Everybody is an Olympic hurdler. Every single one listening, jump right over those hurdles. Keep it moving. Obstacles are not a thing. There's something we just jump over for fun because we're headed toward the finish line. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Lauren, thank you so very much for being our featured trailblazer on today's episode, my sister. It was wonderful. Thanks for having me. I'm Steve Nehart, and you've been listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. If you're not yet doing so, consider following Trailblazers.fm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn. Whenever you're posting stories or social media posts about Trailblazers.fm, be sure to use the hashtag TBPod and hashtag MissionFuel. We'll be able to see you, and I'll be able to show some love. And in case you're not aware, our show notes for all our episodes can be found on our website over at tbpod.com. Now, if today was your first time listening, I just want to say big ups, enough respect for checking us out. You've made this Jamaican guy really happy that you're here with us today. And I'd love your help with keeping this black excellence flowing each and every week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search trailblazers.fm and subscribe, rate, and review us there. Be sure to browse through some of our past episodes. There are more than 150 published episodes now. And a little something is out there for everyone to help keep the knowledge flowing. We grow when you, as part of our Blazer Nation community, shares and invites your friends and family to listen to an episode you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories are going to be moved to make significant changes that have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern. Blaze Nation, go out today and find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. <laughs>